you like our owl? How many questions does it usually take to spot? I don't get it, Tyrell. How many questions? 20, 30, cross-referenced. Fiery the angels fell. Deep thunder rolled around their shores, burning with the fires of a hawk. Welcome to Soul of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast. I am your host, Jamie Prater, and I'm joined by my co-host, Patrick Green, Dan Ferlato. Today we are here to celebrate our 100th episode. Soul of Orion began in August of 2017. Uh, it began with an idea that I had after two years after I had started another podcast called Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. And we knew that this episode was coming up and we wanted to really celebrate it. Well, I didn't want to initially, but the guys convinced me. <laughs> you might as well be truthful. <laughs> um, we twisted, twisted, we my twisted nipples. Arm, twisted yeah. my dick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we felt like it was really time to come together and talk about this show and where we've been as a team and a family in terms of us, the hosts, when we've met and the episodes that we've created. But more than that, the lives that we've changed, which includes ours. The story is, at least for me, is so Patrick came aboard Perfect Organism in, I don't remember, sometime in 2017. I would say like, <laughs> Neither like, of us like, know when this like July of 2017. Ju- July, I know in July I had recorded with you and we were like, okay, let's like try to make this official soon. And. Um, so we'll yeah. say it was summer of 2017. Yeah, it was summer of 2017. So Patrick hadn't been aboard Perfect Organism for that long. And then, but we really found our groove really quick in terms of the chemistry that we shared together and the shows that we were doing. Of course, we were going through the controversy of Alien Covenant and the ups and downs of that. And it was just, it was a great time for us to sort of jump in the same pool and get to know each other and forge that great podcast that we do together. But on the horizon was Blade Runner 2049. I had known that it was coming out for a while. I, both of you guys did as well. And I did what I did with before I started Perfect Organism was I did some research to find out, is there a Blade Runner podcast? Is there, you know, because there could have been. Um, there's only one film. There's only, there's been some books and comics. There's not that much to, there wasn't that much to the IP at that point. So I did some research and quite clearly there was no Blade Runner podcast. So I was like, I think I want to do this. So I brought up the idea to Patrick and I said, I think I want to do a Blade Runner podcast. And Patrick was like, are you sure? Uh, I was like, yes, I'm sure. Um, And then I was like, I I think I really want to do this. So at this point though, Ryan Zaid, who has been, had been with me and us with Perfect Organism. Ryan was my second co-host for Perfect Organism after Peter, who was my initial partner. 
Ryan was aboard and we were trying to come up with a name and Ryan threw out the name. Patrick clarified the name. <laughs> we had a back and forth. Hang on. Before, before you say the name, there were, there were other iterations of this name first, Jamie, which there are clues on the internet to this because we, for one thing, we played around with the brand. That's right. Names, but we also registered domains under these names. We so did. That's why if you go to Podbean, for example, you'll notice that we're not like shoulder of Orion.podbean.com. We're the Blade Runner files at podbean.podbean.com because we were the Blade Runner files for a while. And then we were like, oh, that's kind of restrictive and also sounds terrible. It's confusing too, like the Blade Runner files. And then I I remember. Also, it's not 1995. (laughs) (laughs) It's just awkward. Yeah. So then, but I want to go back for a moment to this moment in time because because it's, it's one of those things that's kind of emblazoned in my memory. So. This was a different life. Obviously, we were we could take trains places. There, you know, cities were things with where people weren't you know in masks and things. And I was on a a commuter rail train home, and we were having this back and forth, the three of us, you, me, and Ryan. And we were like, let's just start going through Rucker's speech at the end of the film because that's where all these like iconic things come from. Let's just like you know play around with words in that. And so we were throwing out different you know ideas based in that thing. And Ryan said, um, shoulder, said shoulders of Orion. Um, and, uh, and so my, my, you know, great contribution to this podcast was cutting the S off of that and saying, I really love it, but it sounds like we're talking about like a person's shoulders. So that's, that's where shoulder of Orion came from. And it was one of those things where we all like right at the same time, we're yep. like, Oh, that's the name of the show. Yep. Right away. And there was a little bit of a play on the name because like shoulder of, of Ryan, Ryan's aid being our partner. <laughs> so we were kind of joking about that as well. So. Okay. We got to cut all of this out. You just gotta be like, yeah. And then Ryan just came up with the name of shoulder. Of Ryan's <laughs> <laughs> Alchemy. But it was really a magical time. 2017 was a pretty phenomenal time. I knew that there was an alien movie coming out. I was like, oh my God, an alien movie coming out and a Blade Runner movie coming out in the same year. Like, it's going to be awesome. As we all know, the premiere of 2049 was creeping up October. So we started the show in August of 2017. And then we did some sort of initial shows talking about our love of the film, where we were at with the film, where we came from in terms of our history with the film, um, and just our own personal histories. And it wasn't, and actually I think I had Peter Haight, who was my original host for Perfect Organism. He came on the show. He's a big Ryan Gosling fan, big fan of Blade Runner. So we, we hosted him on the show and we just started talking about it, knowing that 2049 was on, on the way. And then the first real big show, I mean, they're all very powerful shows in the beginning, but our first really profound show, in my opinion, was the reaction show for 2049. And I think we had two different ones. We had a, a, a non-spoiler one, and then we had a spoiler one. The history, again, the little, the mini histories during that time were really powerful and really special. I went and saw the film with my father for the last time. I mean, not the last time. He's still alive and fine. The last time in the theater. <laughs> Jesus. I know. Like, they but like dramatic. One of the last times I we, saw. We did everything yeah, that we could. The last time I see your brother is going to be fine. The last time I saw the film in the theater was with my father. Actually, no, I think it was with Dan. It was. It, that was my last time I was with you. The time before was with my dad. But that's a story in and of itself that we can get into. So that's sort of the birth of Shoulder of Orion. And honestly, the last thing I'll say before someone wants to take it from me and talk about, and we'll talk about how Dan came on the show eventually, 
one of the doors that opened for us right away was I wrote into Warner Brothers because they Warner Brothers essentially distributes Blade Runner. They have an exclusive deal with Alcon to distribute. So I messaged people at Warner Brothers and they were like, oh, wow, tell us about your podcast. And I said, it's very new. And I was nervous that it was new because people want something with an audience. People want something with a, a reach, a listener base. And we were just burgeoning. Um, however, at that time, there was Blade Zone, which has been my favorite word right now, a stalwart of the Blade Runner community. They've been around for eight many, many, many years. They were on the internet back in, you know, the early, early days of the internet. And they morphed and changed with the times. They have a big forum where a lot of different people went. And then they had a Facebook page. And then there was a Blade Runner News Facebook page. But really, overnight, we turned into the center of Blade Runner fandom because we were live, essentially, or recording discussions about these movies and no one else was doing that people were logging in on forums and they were going on facebook or social media and chatting and doing things like that but no one was hosting a podcast where we all got together and so it was like the floodgates opened and then warner brothers was like sure we'll give you some access so they gave us early access to marketing materials and that kind of thing and then it just kind of took off from there it's so crazy going back to those early days because in, in one way, you know, we had no clue. Like I remember thinking, because uh, we hadn't seen 2049 yet, obviously, because we were founded in the run up to it. So we didn't know what we were in for. Like we had, we had a feeling that it was going to be great, but it was, you know, we didn't know. Um, and, and there was a lot of emotion in those early episodes. If you listen to it, a lot of it is, is very nostalgic. There's a lot of episodes about our connections to our childhoods with this movie. A lot of episodes about seeing it with our dads, for example, you know, hopefully not for the last time. Um, <laughs> a lot of episodes about the, the things in Blade Runner that tied us together. And, and some of my favorite early episodes were those roundtables we had with people like Peter and with others who just had these deep lifelong connections to this movie, kind of, you know, talking about what it felt like to be on the cusp of a new installment coming out because that was, that's, that's a really big deal. And it's very easy to lose sight of how important that was, you know? Um, I also think, uh, so two other kind of early reflections that I wanted to share. One is, um, a lot of our early episodes were recorded on my end of things in Europe because I was traveling a lot for work back then because, <laughs> and a lot, I feel like a lot of things coming up tonight are going to point out how different the world is. But, you know, I used to just go to England all the time for, for work because, you know, we had an office over there and a lot of my colleagues were there. And so in the, you know, run up to it, I saw a lot of the press campaign while I was in England. Um, and I saw, you know, a lot, a lot of conversations that I had late at night with people, you know, from work in England were centered around Blade Runner about how crazy it was that there was a new installment coming out. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, I, I recorded in, in my hotel room a number of episodes with you. I remember we, there was a great article in, I think, Vanity Fair that we unpacked together. That was this whole sort of retrospective with Ridley Wired, Scott. Wired, I think. Wasn't it Wired? Well, it was Wired Magazine, yeah. yeah, which is kind of a weird choice. for. Yeah, it was Wired, exactly. The one with those really cool uh, the Wired makes photos sense, though, because stuff. of all the tech in Blade Runner. Like, yeah. It, it makes sense texturally for wired but yeah yeah ahead. yeah it, do, it makes sense looking back but at the, at the time i remember being like this is kind of a weird fit for it but it's an incredible article but that's just one of a few that i remember recording over that time period and um and i've told the story th these next two stories before but just to kind of bring people back in case they missed it um one of those episodes uh, i almost caught my hotel room on fire because i was trying to sound dampen <laughs> the wall <laughs> and i was putting i was hanging towels up from like lights in the room and one that's of them actually right. caught on fire which was terrifying 
Um, and then just for me personally, another early memory was um, flying back to the States and we had a, a near a near miss uh, on the runway and it was a, a, a really frightening moment for me. But what I was watching going back across the Atlanta... An SFO. Uh, sorry, SFO. not a near miss. You can't say shit like that with me on the show and not expect me to call you out. This is what the news does all the time. There's a go around and they'll be like, near midair at SFO. And we're like, no, that literally that happens like 20 times a week. You, you went around. We right? did, but we touched down though. Oh, you did. Yeah, touch we touched. Yeah, okay, we, we touched little, in the flaps. I was more... sitting with the flaps on the wing in the middle of the plane. That's a little the more flaps unusual. flaps came up and then we can't, we, we, we did like maybe a 15 degree tilt. He almost like died, off. man. And we fucking and we and then the flap. I saw the flap slam down, and I heard the thrust go back, and then we actually took off again. Because Logan Airport in Boston, for those of you who have never been there before, in addition to being the hub of aviation, as I like to tell Dan, <laughs> is uh, it's it's a it's a pretty like terrifying airport because it's basically just a strip of land in the middle of the harbor. It, it's and it's a very busy place, but it's it's really like there's not very much room for error, you know. So anyway, so so we had this experience that was kind of frightening for me. Personally, um, but also it was like there was so much going on because uh, we had a showing that night. Like that was the opening night in October of 2049 in the United States. And I had arranged my flight so that I could meet my wife, who's also a huge Blade Runner fan and is affiliated with the show, Micah. And so we could go there and catch this 10 o'clock showing at the Lowe's IMAX Cinema in downtown Boston on the looking out over the green. Um, and, and so my first thought was oh my God, I'm going to die and I'm not going to get to see my kids grow old and it's going to be this horrible thing. And then my second thought was, fuck, I'm not going to get to see Blade Runner 2049 because <laughs> I'm going to die right before it comes out. <laughs> um, but I, you know, lo and behold, I did survive and got to watch it with Micah. And it was, it was one of, it was, it was the, not one of, it was the best movie experience I have had in my life. But in a movie theater. While you were seeing it, I'm also about 10 minutes behind you in my own show. So we're at the theater around the same time. And we're, I think we text a few times, but I think yours, your theater got out a little bit, probably 20 minutes before mine did. Um, basically the same though. Yeah. It was really, uh, an incredible experience, even though obviously we weren't in the same theater together, but we were watching the movie together, you know, and we were responding. And I think I sent you a couple of texts. I probably, they're probably in my text thread somewhere. Um, just of like, I think I even text you. Oh my God, Rachel, you know? Um, it was, I didn't get any of these cause my phone was off during the movie itself, but, it, but when I turned it, when I turned it, it on at been. the end, I saw all these things, but I did call you though. As soon as I got out, you knowing did. that your, that you your did. show was coming out and, and I, and, and I, I've told this on the show too, but, but whatever, it's our hundredth episode. I can fucking talk about what I want to talk about. I, I very distinctly have this image. Again, a lot of my history of the show is like based in images. I remember walking across the common with Micah hand in hand with, with tears, of course, streaming down my face from this movie. And I remember there was just like this autumnal breeze blowing through the common. It's a very, very beautiful place. And I remember like, I was like, Jamie's showing is getting out any minute. I'm going to call him like as soon as I know the credits are, are rolling. And I did. And I called you and I couldn't talk. I couldn't, I couldn't get sound out because I was so like emotionally wrapped up in this thing. And I remember it was weird. Like, you know, you and I talk so much and there's almost never a silence in that you know, conversation and neither of us were talking mm. because we were just like in this crazy yep. transported place. And that, Oh my God, it was no, so I'm, great. I'm watching course, it after this show tonight. I have to. Oh, <laughs> and then, and then of course we did that, you know, that round table afterwards with other people who had seen it, like we were just talking about, it was just, it was just an amazing time. Anyway, that's sort of a couple of my little early memories, but the other one I want to bring up briefly before we get to Dan coming on board. Uh, this is actually a segue to it is we used to be a lot better about, 
advertising our voicemail line, which you can still actually use. It's still an active Google Voice number. We just don't really talk about it. Oh, we no, canceled it's been it. Deactiv- no, it's been deactivated. Oh, it was deactivated yeah, because of inactivity. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about Patrick's it. Patrick's like, call the number. Yeah, yeah. Don't. Well, maybe if they call the number, we can reactivate it. But anyway, one eight. Yeah, one eight hundred Blade Runner. The Blade Runner files dot com. Um, and uh, and so we used to get these. We should we should think about reactivating it because for one thing, we got used to get these great calls. But we also it, that's how we met a lot of really good friends. Among them is fucking Dan, who called into it. But also Peter from the Midwest, like all those early messages of him driving across yes. the plains in the Midwest, you yes. know, and then he'd be calling and just, you know, killing time in his spinner, as he called it, you know, as he was driving to these legal appointments. Or people like Mark Deckard, right, who called in all the time in the early days, leaving us these great, very personal voice messages about his history in the military and how this film speak to him. And a lot of these people who... Um, I think even Evie, yes. right? Wasn't she a yes. voicemail? Or, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, she was. A, a lot of people who were have been really important to the show have been the people who you know called in and and getting to that feeling of you know seeing that there was like a new message and listening to it and being like, oh my god, this is crazy, and and knowing that like we were reaching somebody so directly that they wanted to like pull over on the side of the road and leave us a voice message was just really powerful. And I think again speaks to what you were saying, Jamie, which is that this this show has, and it's not it's not like because of us, but this show has changed lives. And I think it's changed lives in one major way because it's made many people who listen to it and speak on it and are affiliated with it feel less alone in our, you know, nerdy, very deep emotional connection to this universe. Um and that's something that I'm I'm I'm, you know, continually grateful for and, and hoping that we get many more hundreds of episodes to celebrate in the future. Anyway, transitioning. Um, one of the messages that we got uh, was from this guy in San Francisco, greater San Francisco area, uh, named Daniele Ferlito, who was calling uh, about a episode we had done on memory and noticing that a prop in this episode, uh, that, that a prop in 2049 was potentially um, you know, important. Now, the, the, the background on this was that, uh, for those of you who don't have Google Voice, um, it does a transcript of the calls, and it's just like, it's, it's a fucking atrocity, but it, like, at least it lets you remember like, the gist of what somebody was talking about. And so Jamie and I had done this listener feedback show. You know, we had said, okay, we're going to do a listener feedback show, call in with your thoughts. Um, and then we like, just dropped the ball on recording it because we had a lot of other stuff we were recording, so we kept kind of pushing this listener feedback thing off. And so we had listened to all the messages but then because all this other stuff had gone on, we kind of like forgotten exactly what they were about. So I went through and I made like handwritten notes just on the Google voice transcript because I, I thought I remembered enough of the meat of the conversation to get it right. Long story short, I fucked up Dan's uh, call in hugely and he called in again <laughs> to correct it, which, you know, is one of the ways he got on our radar. And then I remembered that Jamie saying, man, I've been talking to this guy, Dan, for like 20 hours a day for the last week. No. It's like crazy. <laughs> and I'm no. like, what? And he's like, yes, I'll, the connection is amazing. Now. Yeah. So you, you tell, you tell that story. Well, the short part of it is eventually Dan joined us on shoulder of Orion. After we asked him, I asked him after talking with Patrick and then I got the, are you sure? Uh, <laughs> uh, I actually asked. Oh, that's right. Our text messages, you, Jamie. That's right. That's right. You're right. You're right. I even was the one that proposed. Jamie didn't even propose it. I, although I knew you wanted that to happen. I said, "Do you think we should ask Dan to be a part of the show?" And you were like, "Fuck no, he's an asshole." No, though. I didn't. Like, you, you were like, "You were like, yeah, I think that's great if you do." I hate that. And guy. I was, and so I asked Dan, and then we went through a month where I was like, "Is I Dan mad him. at me about something?" 
Oh yeah, I guess you ultimately asked him. I don't. I didn't even have to talk to him yet. Yeah. Well, I. I. This was a really. Well, and don't forget, I. I came on as a guest for one episode first, where we clarified this whole the unicorn totem. horn yes, totem yes, thing. Yes. The ashtray. And then afterwards. That's right. That's funny. Now that we're talking about it, I, I remember a moment. Like I remember. No, we we got it wrong because we, we mixed it up. You know. Yeah. Um. But and I, I remember that editing that like it was yesterday. Now we're now that we're talking about it, but the the small the short story w- in terms of how Dan came on the show was really something that was really powerful and really amazing. And Dan and I started talking and um via Facebook Messenger, and I have gotten messages from I get messages from people all the time, and I always start off, "How do I know you?" <laughs> because that's what I want to know. Like, why are you talking to me? Dan was messaging me and we start, we got into involved in this really powerful conversation. It was really emotionally charged. We talked a lot. We formed really this beautiful friendship uh, that started really intensely and eventually sort of blossomed into Dan becoming a part of this show. I mean, there was more than that. I eventually went to visit Dan in the fall I, of 2017. I will never forget that. Thanksgiving day, the day after Thanksgiving. So what should have, so what should have been a five hour and 45 minute drive took me over nine hours. And I remember Dan calling me, how are you doing? Where are you? And I'm like, I'm sitting in traffic because we weren't moving. We just weren't moving. And you know, you, you're on the five and you, you just, Dan knows that route. I mean, and most of the time it's a free pass and you just drive in and you get there. Whereas the day after Thanksgiving, it was insanity. I didn't think about this. I'd never been there before. I'd never driven up to San Francisco before. So eventually I meet Dan. We really connect. We continue to connect. And then eventually I gave you a partial, I gave you a partial vertigo tour. That was later though. That was like a year later though. Yeah. That was a year later. Oh Oh, really? I thought we went to, we did. We went to one place that trip. That's what I'm saying. Oh, we started our Vertigo tour that then continued. Yeah, I think we went to trips. the um, the San Francisco Walmart. Bay, the Walmart. Yeah, the Golden, yeah, the Golden Gate. Gate, the little spot where she where uh, she yeah. jumps in. Um, so that was really uh, an incredible time, and we're also bonding over 2049. And I'm also at the same time giving um, Patrick notes. What's it going? What's going on with you and him? How are you guys? Like. You know, I'm giving Patrick notes and Patrick's not fully understanding. Patrick isn't really talking with Dan yet because you're not a part of the show, but I'm kind of. And it was just this really great, emotionally charged meeting of two friends. And that eventually led to me asking Dan via Patrick if he wanted to be on the show. And Dan's first response was, let me think about it. (laughs) And he wanted. Yeah. And you were like, I want to know, like, what you expect (laughs) of me. First, I remember. Very that. I, remember pragmatic. I, remember, I was offended by that. I was like, "You were what the fuck." Yes, I, I was. Also, I had never talked to him before. I, I was like, "Who is this That's asshole true. who like <laughs> listens to the show and has to call in and doesn't want to fucking join the show yet?" And then I, I remember Dan. I remember Dan. I rescind my Dan, Dan doing the meet cute because because we because you know our 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 meeting was predetermined, the right? Like for, for for you and Jamie, you guys were just talking all the time. But like, but for Dan and I needed to have like an introduction. And I remember Dan leaving me this voice message, and I was like, you know, I don't often realize how not West Coast I am until I hear Dan. For one for one thing, nobody east of whatever parallels in the middle of the country says the word hella and dan drops hellas like fucking 300 times a day but also (laughs) your your warmth and just how like how kind you were in that first call you're like you know 
Jamie has a lot of love for you. And like, I have a lot of love for you too. And I haven't even met yet. And it's crazy. I feel like we've known each other. And I was like, man, this is like not, I'm not used to, I'm used to people like shoving each other off the street and the fucking garbage cans <laughs> over here on the East coast. All those Southies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, that was something that I, I loved. And, and, you know, to this day, 100% is, is such something I, I associate with you, Dan, is, is your warmth and your willingness to like, help build bridges, you know, between people. So anyway, but go, go take, take us t- through your. Yeah. So what was that like for you, Dan? Oh man, you caught me off guard. That was really sweet. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I definitely was excited to join, but that makes sense that I would have said something like, well, can I, can I have 24 hours? Can I think about it? But I think my concern was without any background in film or music or podcasting or anything, can I live up to the expectation of what is being asked of me right now, which I don't even understand the full repercussions of what is being asked for me. You got to realize I'd never been on a podcast, no radio, nothing like that. I've never edited anything. I don't know anything about music. I was barely getting into really studying film more seriously. So I was surprised that they invited me and I felt very inadequate. So that was my reluctance at the beginning. It's not that I wasn't excited. It was just like, can I really pull this off? But yeah, I remember I remember those phone calls. I remember calling the um, the line for the podcast and leaving a message. And then I was on a plane getting back from Vegas or something like that. I forget what kind of trip I was on. Meet friends. And I was listening to the next episode on my headphones. And I remember I was on the plane, like walking down the aisle, getting, getting off, married. getting on, putting my bag away. <laughs> <laughs> and... All of a sudden, you guys went to listener mail and you played my voicemail at the end of the episode. And I heard my own voice on a podcast like, oh, this is Dan from Oakland, blah, blah, blah. And it was just so surreal and weird. And that's what prompted me to reach out to Jamie because I was like, well, first, because Patrick completely fucked up my point. So I was <laughs> like, oh, man, I got I made it all the way onto the show. <laughs> and then my point totally didn't get passed along. Um and so I reached out to Jamie and we started communicating and yeah, within a few days we had like a three hour phone conversation where we were probably talking about film the entire time. And so it was a really exciting time in my life and I had no idea where it was going to lead and everything that we're about to talk about, um, that led into all these interviews and meeting, you know, actors and writers. And it really started a journey that's continued to this day. I just started a new podcast three months ago that would have never happened had I not, gotten involved that, with you guys and yeah. and done that patrick and i are the proprietary done all this work and <laughs> actually on the license right, of course. Of course. i'm sorry i don't know if you look take a look You're at my, the financial the danger close network and the website is actually Bla- it's blade runner files network.com <laughs> my pot my pot yeah. daddies no but seriously if, if people listening to this aren't listening to that show as well you should be it's an incredible film podcast about fucking war. amazing dan puts in thousands of hours of work every week into this week he has an, a great thousands. team behind him they're on like five episodes now it's danger close and it's available on all podcatchers it's there are like eight episodes clothes. now. Danger clothes. <laughs> Patrick actually said danger, danger clothes. And I don't even think he realized so calling that danger close. Danger close. But yes, if you want to check it out, go to dangerclosepod.com. And we just put out our yeah. eighth episode, actually. Eight Anyways, episodes. Jesus so, Christ. But I, I, I think that um, the sentiment that resounds the most with me is something Patrick mentioned. And I know Jamie has too. And we've heard dozens and dozens of fans say this Alexander house just said it to us the other day. We're going to read some fan comments later, but I think that feeling of realizing that there's this whole community out there 
that's not Star Trek. It's not Star Wars. It's not this huge conglomerate, you know, Disney owned huge thing with like spinoffs and shows that date back to the 70s. It's not like that. I mean, yeah, it dates all the way back to 82. But at the time, really, it was one film. And we knew we were on the cusp of the sequel of the second film. But other than the film, the documentary, and then interviews, magazines, and the work that the people at Blade Zone had put in. And the late 90s computer game. Thank you. And the late 90s computer game, sure. But there really wasn't that much material. And I think once we really started to carry this torch and really contribute to the voices of fandom and bringing people together, the thing we heard the most from fans was, wow, I always thought I was the only person that loved this film and my friends make fun of me and it's so nerdy and it's like dark and people think it's boring or whatever, but they didn't have, a lot of them didn't have a community to belong to where they could share, you know, where you don't have to explain everything. And you know, when you mentioned Roy Batty's speech at the end of the film, everybody knows what that means. And, and that speech may mean something different to you personally, but everyone knows that speech by heart that loves Blade Runner. And, and I think being a fan that got to become a part of something bigger than themselves and participate, which then led into all the other things we've done, creating audio dramas together, again, interviewing these big important people in Blade Runner all the way to our live event, which again, we'll talk about has just been such an incredible experience. So, um, yeah, I mean, for my introduction to this, I just want to thank you guys for inviting me into this world and really thank all the fans that listen. And, and it's, yeah, it's just really an incredible experience and I, we couldn't do it without you guys. And I am just so grateful to be a part of it. We're grateful to have you on the show. Um, one anecdote is, before I met Dan, we talked about going to see the movie together, virtually, essentially. We're going to time it so we're both in the theater at the same time, kind of like Patrick and I did. So I ended up seeing the film, I think, five times in the theater, and the last time was with Dan. And we weren't texting during the movie, but we were there, I think, maybe once or twice we did. I can't exactly remember. But it was it was just something that was really sacred, and even though, again, we're not sitting there in the theater, we were almost, all three of us our given time sitting there in the theater experiencing a miracle um, and a film that wasn't. I said, I saved you a yes, seat you next to me in the theater for, for my fourth viewing. And I was ready to like fight off anyone who was going to try and sit <laughs> in that seat. But I forgot that I was watching a Blade Runner film and that there was only like 20 people in the room. So I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> uh, so that was really, it was just the whole beginnings of the show and how we eventually found Dan. Dan didn't, come on the show until i don't remember your first official 17 i guested 18 wow. was my first host wow so that was yeah that was almost 85 episodes ago probably it because mm-hmm. we this is our 100th formal episode we have more that aren't numbered like gethsemane which is our audio drama which we started in on right away like we started this podcast and then seven months later i'm writing an audio drama for it and this is post and we can get into that eventually but this 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 show really opened the door for us creatively it opened the door for our us as friends as what i consider family i consider you guys my family and and Mm -hmm. to talk to a lot of amazing talent like i never would have in a thousand years thought 
I would be talking to Hampton Fancher, thought I would be in Joanna Cassidy's home sitting right next to her, talking about her time on Blade Runner, sitting next to Zora. She gave all three of us signed prints of her as Zora. I mean, it was absolutely surreal. And then we got to meet her again when she came to our event. So we have so many memories like this, which is funny because that's what Blade Runner is too. It's memories. You know, we're talking about memories and that's what we have together. And that's what this show has been. And to your point, Patrick, I think you were making, maybe it was Dan in terms of fandom. I think this is really important to note. Uh, Fandom has been really, really toxic, different arms of it, whether it's star Wars or alien or whatever. It's been in the news. You have celebrities or actors jumping off social media because of how they were treated. But in the middle of this planted in the middle of, these different worlds of fandom are or is the Blade Runner fandom. And it received a film that 70, now I'd say, let's say 85% of hardcore fans loved and embraced with open arms, which, which is almost something impossible to do. Um, and you have this fandom surrounding this movie, loving this movie, loving the ever. I mean, it, Financially, the film wasn't as successful as they wanted it to be. With the fans and with the people who mattered, you could not ask for a, a better film. You could not ask for a more successful film. And we got to be a part of all that. And we got to be this this silent ship in the middle of a lot of toxicity, which includes the alien fandom, which Patrick and I, are, of course, are in the middle of ourselves. And it was just this little piece of magic happening am- amongst very divisive political um a very divisive political environment and a very divisive fan environment. So I am so thankful for that. Do you like our owl? It's artificial. Of course it is. Must be expensive. Very. I'm Rachel. Deckard. It seems you feel our work is not a benefit to the public. Replicants are like any other machine. They're either a benefit or a hazard. If they're a benefit, it's not my problem. May I ask you a personal question? Sure. Have you ever retired a human by mistake? You know, thinking back to those early days and, and some of the, the early memories that, that we have together, and I know Gethsemane is one that sticks out quite a bit. Um, the process of, of creating it, you know, was over a year, right? So so it spanned quite a long time, but it was kind of a, it, it initially, I remember that another, I remember where I was, I was at work, uh, and we were talking about this idea of doing an audio drama, and I was like, oh, that sounds so exciting. And then you and Dan went on a very long hike and sent me a, a series of indecipherable 30-minute-long voice messages from the hike <laughs> that were mostly just people's pants Lies. wrestling around. I was like, what the fuck is this voice message all about? Um, but I heard in that thing, uh, a, a, you know, real incredible work. And uh, so do you want to take us back to a little bit of those early days of Gethsemane? Yeah, well, let's start at where, where Gethsemane started in terms of 2049 had come out. We were all on that high. That high lasted at least two years. I mean just excitement and so much to discuss and i'm a writer i went to film school i've written scripts before i've produced movies before i've 
all sorts of things. And I had this story. And I t remember talking to you and Dan, like, there's this story that's coming out of me and I can't stop it. And I wrote it in four days, remember? Four days. I wrote 52 pages, I think. That was the first draft. And then it was just this organic thing where I wrote it. I sent it. I, I sent it to both of you. Patrick didn't ever read the script. He didn't even listen to it. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know what it's about. <laughs> he just scored it. He didn't listen. Uh, but so what happened was it ended up being this thing where Patrick was like, you actually, obviously you did read the script and you were following along. But Dan and I were in closer proximity and Patrick, you were like, just let me know what you guys are, where you're going with this, how it's shaping up. And that's what we did. And we had meetings about it. But Dan and I eventually met up uh, and we hung out in Joshua Tree where your cousin lives. And we spent, we went hiking and a bunch of different things, but we spent a good, I don't know, portion of the day talking about this script, going over it scene by scene, what's working, what isn't, what could work better. Uh, and it was this very organic process with, and the crazy thing about it is Dan doesn't have formal training in script writing or writing or whatever. You're a creative guy. You know what good art is. You know what good writing is, but you were sort of thrown in the middle of this and it worked. It really worked. So, so then we had this audio drama, which we ended up casting with people who live in Los Angeles. Dan came down for that. We rented an Airbnb, which was owned by a friend of mine who I've known since college, named Sama. And we got all the actors together. We had all this equipment. Some of the actors brought their own equipment. And we recorded this thing from beginning to end. And it took, I think it started in, I don't know when exactly I wrote that script. I don't know when that started. But by December of that, of that same year, we were recording it live. And then it released in June of the following year. So you're talking over a year. It was probably a year and a half. Gethsemane is again, one rung on the ladder of what I consider to be a very successful show with a really great team involved. And there was more, and it, it was just one thing that happened organically. I keep saying that, but it's really true. And it was really, really well received. And we went on from there. So I remember, again, where I was when you uh, sent me the most, sort of the, the nearest to final draft, as I was getting ready to score it musically. Um, we were in New Hampshire in a cabin. that we It's a cabin that we rented out That's all right. the time back That's in those right. days. And and I, and I read it at night. And then during the night, I had a dream. Do you remember I told you about this dream? I woke up and I had a dream of a choir underground um, singing. And I was like, that has to be the sound of this piece. It really like fit. So, so that was like the sound that I was searching for forever. But it started with this dream that I had in the woods of New Hampshire. Yes, that's right. Um, do you remember that? But then I also, uh, and an, another trip to that same cabin recorded with Micah, uh, one of, another one of my favorite episodes and another episode that came out multiple times when people were talking about memorable moments in, in the history of, of the show. And that was Evie's first appearance. Um, so Evie had written into the show and we talked on the phone, um, and, and, you know, various other things, um, leading up to it. And, and she had written in about her experience as a trans person and what the, you know, experience that she had lived through, how, how Blade Runner had spoken to it in a really eloquent way. Um, and so we thought, you know, this would be a really great moment to have her come on and tell us about that. And, and also to have more women on the show as well, you know, cisgendered women as well to talk about their experience with Blade Runner. It was a very, um, complicated conversation and I think a really great conversation and just speaking personally. So as I said, we recorded this in that cabin. It was the middle of a cyclone bomb. 
which I, anybody in the East Coast That's might right. remember, it was this like crazy weather pattern that we were having, having, where there were these massive power outages and the buildings are being you know knocked over and shit. And I will never forget, we were there in this tiny cabin with this like just little bathroom, and we had gotten the kids to sleep. And then Micah and I brought my recording equipment into the bathroom and closed the door That's and right. recorded this thing in this yep. little tiny bathroom. And it was like just this, and I, I was using my phone as a hotspot because there's like no, there's nothing out there. And, uh, and I will never forget the feeling of being out there in the middle of the woods with the wind howling and having this conversation with with both of you, but also with, you know, with uh, Clara, Mother 9000, who's on that show, and Evie, who just was an astonishingly good guest and had so many great insights into this film. And it was another one of those kind of pinch myself moments where I was like, man, I'm really lucky to be doing this. Just briefly about that show, um, it was transformative for all of us in terms of hearing a different perspective. We had listeners who still, I got a message the other day from someone who said, you know, I listened to that episode with the trans woman that you had on there. And I, you know, I ended up talking about her experience with my friends who don't really agree. They don't understand it. They don't, they don't agree. They think it's whatever. And after I explained how she explained what being a trans woman has been, they totally changed their attitude and they got it. They understood. Um, so that is an episode that continues to resound for us. Um, and I, it, again, it, it's really what makes, I think this podcast really special um, that we're not, we're not just here. We're talking about issues that matter to the human spirit, issues that matter to who we are as humans, how we, how are we per- perceived? How do we perceive each other? How, what is being human? How do we treat each other as humans? And uh, that, that, and what, and what is, sorry to interrupt, but in relation to that episode, what does it mean to be an authentic mm-hmm. human? Which is a question that Philip Dick asked and is a great part of the philosophy of this book that the film is based on. And then both books and, you know, now comic books, et cetera. But I think that's why that episode um, resonates with people so much is because it was about how she felt like a replicant in terms of passing in society, trying to fit in, being outed, being threatened by death. And it was just, that's the shift in perspective where I was like, wow, I've related emotionally to replicants and Roy and stuff before, but never in that way where my entire being sort of made me empathize with replicants. And that's just one of the more most poignant examples of a fan relating deeply to the films. Um, But we've seen that over and over and over again with messages that we've gotten about what parts of the film resonate in people's lives, what difficult moments in people's lives these films got them through. Um, Sometimes we've been a part of that. Sometimes, you know, listening to the show or some particular episode that really um, called to them uh, really helped part of the business. I'm not in the business. I am the business. And I think the culmination of that I don't know if we're getting there yet stop me if we're not but the live event that we did in november 2019 
which we all came to an agreement that we were predicting that Warner Brothers and Alcon, none of these companies were going to do something for Blade Runner fans in the most important date on the calendar that was only going to happen once, November 2019. And so we started planning a year in advance and we knew we had to try and do something to get all the fans together and celebrate this film that we all love. And luckily by that point, we'd made a lot of really good connections. And so we were able to get Joanna Cassidy and Paul Salmon and Charles uh, on that stage to be able to talk about this near filming locations from the film. Uh, and, and, and that, that of course, is like one of the crowning moments in the show. And before we get to it, though, I think it's worth there's a couple things I want to go back to, but I want to make sure we talk about those three people also in particular, because we have, you know, very obviously important personal and professional relationships with them as a result of this podcast, but also because early, you know, moments with them really stick out to me. But Jamie, that's something else you wanted to say. No, I just I thought it was important um, to sort of roll along as we're rolling along and um, going through some important moments for the show, just to make mention a really important show was when we interviewed or I interviewed the guys from Weta who worked on the miniatures of the city of LA for Blade Runner 2049. I ended up meeting them in person. They gave me a bit from the the set, which is right behind me. Um, Then we ended up interviewing other people like Lauren Peta, who played Rachel in 2049 she was in the costume and then we interviewed i interviewed Thomas le marquis who played the clerk that ryan gosling meets when he goes to wallace they were really and those were big deals for us for a brand new podcast with brand new listenership for these people to say oh sure you know um i'll give you an interview and so i think as we the event was amazing but all along the way we're we're being transformed by these interviews that we're getting. So then we, we have Weta and we have uh, a, a great friend of ours named uh, Dr. Robin Bunce who comes on, who um, is a professor and he's just incredibly educated and smart. And he has a great perspective that he's brought on the show and he's been on the show many times and I'm sure he'll be on many more. Um, so we're meeting all these people and having all these experiences during this roll up. I don't know, like with Perfect Organism, it took years for me to get an interview with somebody solid, you know. The first big one was the ADI guys, Studio ADI. But with Shoulder of Orion, we were being transformed very early because we were the only ones doing it. As we move towards this really great event, uh, I just think it's important to make note of what's happening in the meantime because as amazing as that event was we're making friends with people we're making friends with hampton fancher and Mm -hmm. patrick goes and meets him we're making friends with i don't know i like paul Paul yeah paul salmon who who wrote future noir who's been on the show a few times yeah i mean i I'd, i'd read that book probably twice through and through and and written notes and written questions for him by the time we actually met him in person and it was so surreal to be sitting there asking him questions and getting his opinion who had met, hung out and met Ridley and Harrison Ford and all the actors and had done 80 plus hours of original interviews. And I think one of the most impactful moments too, where I almost had to blush and this isn't to pat ourselves on the backs, but just to, again, sort of try and describe the surreal nature of it 
was when Paul in passing, I, I think I was mentioning something about, oh, you should check out Jamie's interview with Weta. It was really good or something like that. I think I was recommending an episode to him and he just very casually was like, yeah, yeah, I know. I listened to the show. The show's great. <laughs> and I had no idea that he actually listened to the show, you know, before we had even interviewed him. So it was just, it's so cool to um, connect with these people that we've mentioned a million times. I mean, I rep Paul's book as much as I possibly can on the Facebook groups because people ask these questions over and over again beyond DECA rep, um, but just other things too about, you know, the nature of replicants, et cetera. And I reference Paul all the time because I'm like, hey, you know what? Go read this book. If you're if you're a big fan, if you've never read Future Noir, Paul has written extensively about all this and researched it, you know, go, go find out what he has to say. Um, and yeah, it's just... I don't know. Yeah. And, and just, I want to <laughs> throw out a couple of names of people who have become our friends who are, who like are super fans. Uh, Carla Rosa, who voiced mm-hmm. a character in Gethsemane, Mark Deckard, who we mm-hmm. met at our event. Uh, again, Robin Bunce, um, Alexander house who showed up to our event, uh, who I still talk to almost on a daily basis. And he's always throwing me out ideas for short films. Um, Gary, Gary Willoughby. Willoughby. He these people like someone like I just want to talk about Alexander just briefly because he's an incredible mm-hmm. guy, um, incredibly talented, and he's made he's in his own way helped make the show what it is um, through his listener feedback, through his devotion. He's also a patron. Mm-hmm. Community really is what drives us. It's what brings us together. We're do, we're not doing this for ourselves. We're doing this for everyone and everyone showed up for us everyone showed up in ways that we couldn't even imagine and not just regular people like you and me um like carlo or alexander but the big player showed up for us too and how special that is and how amazing and unthinkable that is so i just hats off to and thank you to carla to alexander to mark to paul and anybody else that i miss Peter from the Midwest. Peter from the Midwest. <laughs> many, yes. Many, many, many oh, other people. big one. Peter is amazing. We, yes. And you know, these are people mm-hmm. we talk to. Like I, I talk to Peter basically every day as well. Uh, and you know, people like it, it, what I loved about the event. And of course we're going to get back around to it in a, in a moment is it was like a chance to see a lot of these people in person. Right. Um, people like, mm-hmm. like Rick, right. Like Rick Howard, we've been talking to him for forever online and getting to actually like mm-hmm. see him and see him in his outfit there. And per- that was like just so incredibly cool getting to walk around downtown L.A. with these people, getting to like go visit the Bradbury building with you guys and with others like the 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 reality of the community that we're talking about is is physical. It's a real place going out to eat with Paul Salmon after the event, having Charles de Lazarica take a photo of my wife and I, you know, and, and, and joking with him about <laughs> chroma keying. Yeah, right. And you uh, it's just <laughs> we walked. We also, uh, we, we walked through the second street. Tunnel well, yeah, I think we LA should talk way. about that. The first time we all three met just briefly, because we sure. were all doing this virtually. I had met Dan. I had known Patrick for way longer, but never met Patrick in person. We we're trying to get Patrick to come out to LA and we we're like, when can you, I don't know. And so we're trying to figure it out. And then we have a, we're, we, we decide, even though we can't afford it, we're going to throw an event. And so Patrick flies in. Um, I think it was a Saturday. A Saturday morning? February of 2019, yeah. Yeah, so it was a Saturday Saturday. morning. That's right. And I picked him up uh, in my jalopy. (laughs) (laughs) This car, by the way, did not end the trip as nice as it started the trip. We had a fucking accident in this car on this trip. We did, but it's a great memory. So I picked Patrick up, (laughs) and 
again, Patrick and I had this history of, because we host Perfect Organism, and it was the first time we were together as partners, as creative partners, as hosts. And so there was this little bit of this weird sheen that had to be, because here we are sitting next to each other, just like that. And so I'm like, oh, wow, you're, you're here. Um, and so we drive to the USC exhibit. Uh, well, we Wait, tried let me to. Give you, let I me give you a visual to. first. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I show up. Jamie's wearing a fucking construction outfit. No, like, it's a Stranger Things. <laughs> he shows up, Jamie, I know it's a, allegedly a Stranger Things vest. Everybody allegedly. who sees it allegedly. thinks you're dressed as a fucking road worker, Jamie. Everybody sees this Hawkins thing. In this, look at this like fucking thing. It's not a look. That, there that they is are. a construction outfit. So, so, so Jamie, so Jamie pulls up in, in his center, which which has two working in that hat. Which has two working doors at this point, and I I don't know if anybody has driven with Jamie before, but he keeps his chair up super high. I, I, I didn't actually point this out at the time. You never Your did. fucking seat is so high up it when is. you're driving ha- the car. You're I like a bus driver woman. No, yeah. So it's your fucking thing. head is like touching the the, the ceiling true. of the car. Grandma Jamie. I'm sitting down there, and I That's had a true. migraine for some reason. So so I was like completely out of it. I hadn't eaten like. He wanted hours. to go to In and Out. I want to go to In and Out because I've never, <laughs> never spent time in California before. You know, I'm always flying through it, so I was like, I want to go to In and Out. I want to go to the mecca of burgers, which fucking sucks. I'm sorry to offend anybody. It's not that bad. To this show, it's not you know, great. It was, it was terrible. Yeah, it was. Go. It was not. It was not good. It was cold anyway, too. That's remember, it was overcast and cold, so we're sitting on that <laughs> bench eating. It was cold. This- <laughs> <laughs> And we're sitting next to a fucking oil derrick in a parking lot. And I'm like, what is this place that I'm but in? Before anyway. we even get there, Patrick's like, you sure you want to go? Well, we have to go. We have to go. I'm like, Patrick, let's go. <laughs> but 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 it's funny because like just like at the event, you know, we spent all this time talking to everybody online and interacting and getting to know each other really well. And then you, you, you're you right. You see each other in person. You're like, oh, that's right. This is a real a real human that like, you know, I, I, that has this whole other life that they live that I, I don't just see for a couple hours every week. Right. Um, but I was really happy when you got out of the car and it turned out that your seat was just up really high. Cause you weren't that much taller than I was. I this, this whole time I was like, is Jamie like fucking nine feet tall, but you're, you were, you were relatively short as well, which is, which is, I'm nice. no, I'm five, nine, yo, I just got measured. Yeah, fuck it. That's below average. Jamie, the average is five ten. Is it? Yeah, it is. Whatever. It is. And, and anyway, so then, so then we're like, you know, we got to, so Jamie gets lost. We go, we make our way to the alien exhibit. We have a great time. And then we're like, now it's time to meet Dan. So now I'm going through this whole other thing where I'm like, oh fuck. Now, like I have to like prove myself to somebody. I, ha- I remember I had my 2049, my K boots on, which, which, you know, made a lot of sense for fucking California. Um, but you know, but I wanted to like to, to show that I was a real fan, yeah. had my Tyrell shirt, you know, um, and, and, uh, and I, we're in Burbank. It's no, like, but it's actually, like, Dan, Burbank, where are though, you? Yeah, we're trying to find Dan. He's <laughs> like, I'm on the street. Gas yeah, I'm on, I walked, like, walk what over. were you doing? I had to walk like a mile. <laughs> what happened with that? I never, we never figured this out. Well, I just started walking because I was at the airport and you dumbass. Well, you flew into Burbank, so like, which is this completely random ass airport. Because my sister oh, lives right. there. She lives in the airport. And so then, so she. <laughs> anyway so we're trying to find dan and jamie and i for those of you who have never driven with us before right uh, have no sense of of you know workable direction in a car at least i don't know about uh, elsewhere out of a car so we're fucking trying to find dan for like three hours long he's getting grumpy about it and then we see this towering towering figure (laughs) on the road and i'm like oh my god dan's taller than us like what the fuck this is clearly the main thing i was thinking about he was wearing and 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 lifts but yeah dan Dan comes out he fucking he ducks down in the central like you know makes a big show of it he's like hey guys yeah this this jalopy pulls up next to me actually the first thing dan says is we're gonna hit a porsche with this which is what happened uh about an hour and a half later is jamie fucking hit a porsche with his driver's side it was a 
Porsche Cayenne. It was a Porsche, it was a Porsche, was Porsche it? SUV. Yeah. Yes, it was. Oh. <laughs> In fucking downtown LA. Anyway, this is. I remember the dude got out of his car and he goes, well, I needed this. Like, I remember I that. But he, he was nice, though. He was like, you know, I was like, I didn't need this either. He goes, you know, man, I've been there. I understand. Yeah, he was, he was very nice. cool. He was like, I could tell this guy's a construction worker. You know, he's probably just trying to get to a job site. <laughs> 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 anyway, we've got minute bowl in the back seat. So anyway. The uh, so the the reason we're going through all this is leading to what was happening later that day, which was to this day one of my favorite memories, like period, uh, especially favorite memories tied up with the show, which is we went to go interview Joanna Cassidy Zora herself at her house that day, which to to I like I you know looking back at the show, you're right, Jamie. Like this this was at a time where we had, you know, very few accumulated downloads. We didn't have a lot of word of mouth yet. You know, we were kind of the thing in Blade Runner online, you know, podcasting fandom, obviously, because there wasn't much of an alternative. But, you know, we only had 30 or 40 episodes by that point, um, and we hadn't really proven ourselves that much yet. But because Paul Salmon had was just the you know master of making connections and is so well embedded into this stuff, he helped us to score this interview. And and I will just never forget that feeling of showing up and... um walking to her house and being like oh my god this is actually a real thing that it's like that is happening and we show up and we were well to be fair i think we were actually on time she thought we were early so then so we saw her for a moment she was like okay i need to go get dressed and so then we're standing out there on joanna cassidy's porch waiting for her to get dressed and thinking like this is so incredibly surreal and she has she, like a mask on her face like yeah she was like clearly just getting and ready she goes, for the yeah, day. you are <laughs> We're fucking carrying tripods and shit. I'm like, oh, it's so embarrassing. The Centro's got a dent from the Porsche. And we're like, oh, sorry, Joanna Cassidy. <laughs> anyway, uh, we had this like just amazing experience with her. And she she was just such a gracious person and so kind with her time and just welcoming us in. And the amount of art and history on her walls. I remember seeing there was a ball python photograph in her bathroom. And I was like, I bet that's him. You know, just these little moments of of these connections, you know. Uh, we're just, 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 that was just incredible. Committee of moral abuses? Yes, ma'am. There's been some reports that the management has been taking liberties with the artists in this place. I don't know nothing about it. Have you felt yourself to be exploited in any way? How do you mean exploited? Well, like to get this job. I mean, did, did you do or, or were you asked to do anything that's lewd or unsavory or otherwise uh, repulsive to, to your person, huh? <laughs> Are you for real? <laughs> when you talk about Joanna Cassidy being gracious, uh, it's so true. And I think that we've gotten that feeling from everyone we've talked to involved in this franchise from uh, Charles Del Zarica, you know, made the final cut and has worked, done so much work in Hollywood. William Sanderson, who, when you look at his credits as a as a character actor, has more credits than most people uh, or most actors. Just so incredibly nice and kind. And Hampton Fancher, you know, where we were nervously kind of that was one that of was our the biggest most nervous phone I interviews. Have, at least I have ever been for anything in my life. Don't I talk think. over him. Oh yeah, I was nervous. <laughs> Jamie yelled at me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I remember, I remember Patrick saying something. Just you know, being being gracious and being like oh yeah and you know it's just it's so surreal to be sitting here talking to you i just can't believe it and hampton fancher said something like why i'm just a 
just a regular person, <laughs> you know, and it's so funny to us being like these super fans and super nerds and be like, you're not a regular person. You wrote two Blade Runner movies. Like, it was very nonchalant, about? very um, unassuming. Right. Although the little anecdote to that day, do you remember what happened that day before while we we're going into this interview? The run up to it, the literal run up to the interview. After oh, me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the train was running late. This oh. is, by the way, the same train where shoulders slash shoulder of a right. I've been trying to remember why he wanted the S on there. I think it was because he was saying that there were multiples of us. But then I was like, that means that we're each a shoulder. Like, that didn't make any sense. Anyway, it was that same train and it was running late. <laughs> and I remember specifically being like, guys, 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 I'm not going to be fucking late to this. And I also need a glass of wine. Because I remember being like, I, I was telling Micah that morning, I was like, this is going to be one of the most important <laughs> interviews I will ever have because he's an actual hero ah. of mine and I will be coming right out of work and I want to be like in Hampton's element because Hampton Fancher, like you said, he like does not give a shit. He's just like, whatever, like, let's just have a drink and talk. He's just so, and, and having now hung out with him, like you said, in person, he, that's just who he is. He's actually legitimately tall too, by the way. He's a very, very tall person. Um, and he's just so relaxed. And, and so, yeah, so I remember thinking, like, I want to be on his level. And I remember, like, running into the, running upstairs, you know, flipping everything open and sitting down and Micah, like, running up with, like, this glass of wine for me. And I was sitting there, I was like, I'm ready to go. And I'm, like, frantically drinking the fucking wine glass. But this is, this is where Patrick sent us the video. I was looking for that video. The selfie the other video day. of him sprinting down the street. <laughs> and ever since then. Ever since then, his name, his nickname has been Panic because he was freaking out that he wasn't going to make it Running to this interview. Running at a 10 out of 10 sprinting sprint, down yeah. the street. Also, what's playing, uh, what's a factor in this interview is our sound wasn't great for a while. We were working on it. So we were also using Skype. You remember when I dropped the call once on some interview? Like, I completely dropped the call. And so then I had to recall everybody. Oh, and, and there was somebody we were interviewing. I can't remember who it was. But I was worried it was going to happen with Fancher. So, and it did. I dropped out, but the call kept going somehow. So I had to You're get right, back on. <laughs> so we're like, oh, William shit. William Sanderson too, James. That's right. That's William right. William Sanderson. I'm that's like, right. oh, my God. We keep having these fucking legends on the show. And then we just... So we're dropping the call. My internet shit. Like, remember how shitty my internet was? Yeah. Which which one of these was the interview where Patrick dropped out for like 20 minutes and we had no idea what happened and we just got a text from him going, "You guys, I just dumped my coffee onto my computer." That was Charles Mazarika, another person I fucking raced back to make this interview with because he's another like hero. And the first thing I spit it out, didn't you? No, yes, the first thing I do is I want to make a show that I'm like appreciating him being there, and he makes a joke which was funny, and I'm like I like go to like laugh out loud at it, and I just fucking spit coffee over everything that I own, like atomized coffee, and I go oh my god, and then like my fucking computer screen's flickering, and I'm like I think I have to leave this call. Oh, it's so funny, I forgot about that. There are so many memories like that that we've shared together. We're, we're gonna all hang out again this year now that we're vaccinated and we're you know we're in a better place. We're going to hang out at our new house in Schenectady. Um, uh, but yeah, they're, they're, it's just it's just been a magical time. I mean, now, as we all three know, the interest isn't as high as it was. Things are at a lull. That's going to change when announcements are made or whatever. But uh, it's it's been it's a great time for us to sort of sit back and appreciate this little slice of heaven that we have. Um, and everything in between and all of the funny 
dramatic. Three of us were all very strong personalities. We haven't all gotten <laughs> along all that. the time. Uh, <laughs> there's been, there's been, I mean, and that's normal for friendships as people, certainly as people who, who text a lot and then who call. So there's always been that curve or there has been that curve for us to like, how do we get along better? How do we do this better? How do we, what are we going to do Yo. for Patreon? We're not Yo. doing anything for Patreon. Yo, I think we keep saying, I we're... think Patrick's about to quit the show. And then it's like, oh man, I, I think I we're going to quit the show. So we were like... um, but it's been like, those things have really like, it's drawn me closer to you guys. Even, even like the drama and the misunderstandings and the anger or the frustration, like we've, we, we do what friends do. We get through it. And we're, we get so much closer because of it. Anytime we've had something happen, whether it's something that's interpersonal or whether it's technological, because we have gone over our sound over and over and over. And it took us a year to get Patreon going. Let's send them things. Who's sending them things? I'm not sending them things. Jamie, have you sent those things yet? Um, <laughs> no, I haven't. I hate going to the post office. Um, but we, we got it together. And uh, I... I just, I love you guys, and this has just been a really great journey, and there's so much ahead. We're not doing one show a month, Dan. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm just, I, I know I know that there's so much more that we can talk about. We're going, we're about an hour and a half right now. Um, but I, I, I'm really appreciative of the space that we've created um, where there was none. And uh, I think Blade Runner is... Blade Runner is something where it, it teaches us about who we are. And it's a very rare it's a very rare story that is your own story where you can watch a movie and you're like, that's my story I'm watching. Uh, we can find bits and pieces of it here and there, and I know that's true for me in Alien, but Blade Runner is a special kind of story where I feel like that's me up there. Um, and I get to share it with you guys. So it's been a really fun trip. So as we wrap this episode, this fantastic episode where we've gone through our history and the importance of who we are and who the fans have made us, because we're here for each other, we're not here for ourselves. There are a couple stories that we want to read, Not maybe not stories, but a couple of comments that some of our most loyal and devoted listeners have sent us. One of them comes from a man named Alexander House, who I mentioned earlier, who is just an amazing guy. We, we all met Alexander in November of 2019, we met him and his parents. He's just been a really incredible player in our life as a podcast and me as a person. So I want to read what he sent. Where to start with Shoulder of Orion? To me, Shoulder of Orion is so much more than just a podcast. It's a place of unity, peace, and comfort. From the hosts to the deep psychological questions that they ask, every single thing is perfect. It's more than just a podcast about the surface level questions like if Deckard is a replicant. He is. Fight me. Parentheses. <laughs> but instead, they have deep, in-depth conversations about every single detail. It fills my heart with so much joy that I'm not the only person who has this love for Blade Runner. Shoal of Orion brought the wonderful community of fandom to my attention. For the longest time, I thought my connection to Blade Runner was unique, so I kept it to myself. Then, Shoulder of Orion came along and opened my eyes and my heart to this fandom. All of these elements were beautifully done in the November 2019 live episode, my favorite episode and my favorite viewing of the original film. A truly monumental event done in a masterclass way. I had a sense of belonging. The hosts, guests, and audience, it all felt like a connected community. 
discussing everything Blade Runner from the filmmaking aspect to the deep psychological questions that the films both present. Shoulder of Orion is definitely a miracle. Thank you, Alexander. Thank you, Xander. That's really, really sweet. We, we, we have other um, write-ins as well, which I don't, we won't necessarily have time to get to all of them, but um, I also want to do a shout-out. Peter from the Midwest wrote in with a couple great moments, and one that we haven't mentioned yet uh, was Micah's comments on Kay making himself smaller in the LAPD and how that has stuck out to him. And that's something that a, a, a number of listeners, and especially women, have brought up when they've been on the show that resonated, that his body language in the LAPD in 2049 seems to speak to that experience of you know existing in a world that's not really necessarily designed to empower you. Um, and feeling, you know, like, uh, you know, men won't move to the side. And I think um, that leads me to like sort of a semi-closing thought for me about, you know, the show and about gender and about uh, how I think it's opened a lot of really great conversations for us, even though, you know, we're three cisgendered men talking on the show. I think it's helped facilitate a lot of really great experience conversations outside of our own comfort zones to some degree. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's probably a good thing that our negative reviews <laughs> are only from people who have a problem with that. Um, I think that that probably says that we're doing a good job because we're, we're talking about things that, um, you know, people might not find uh, extremely comfortable. But again, I think that's what, you know, Fancher and Scott and Peoples and everybody who made the original film had in mind. It's not supposed to be easy and simple to talk about. Um, we're supposed to learn about ourselves in the process, and you can't learn unless you're a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, so, uh, but my, my sort of closing thought on that regard was, I think it's pretty rare that we get the experience to see real male love on film or in audio where friends can be sympathetic with each other and sensitive with each other and feel comfortable with each other enough to really bear their souls to each other, you know, and, and I have cried on this podcast dozens and dozens of times. I'm a little bit of a crier in the first place, but, you know, that's something that I don't do in the company of men very much because it's kind of awkward, right? And there's a couple of spaces where I feel really comfortable doing that. One is, is our male-identified group at work, which is just a really central part of my experience, and it's a great chance for men to get together and to talk about things that are difficult. But the other one has been this show. I feel like this show has been a, an, a continual emotional calisthenic exercise for me. You know, of going to a very personal place and feeling safe doing that with you guys and feeling like it's something that is cathartic. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, just looking back at moments that I've cried about, you know, I cried I cried with Hampton Fancher, which was an amazing moment in my life, you know? I, when we talked about, about uh, Rucker Hauer and we talked about memories of him and about, uh, and of, of course, Roy Batty, his character, like that was, that was really, really difficult because it was right around the time of his death. And, of course, when we had the live event, um, you know, just a couple of months after he passed, um, that, you know, we screened the film live and in person, and we had, you know, done a, a in-memoriam episode for him, and both of those were, were times where I, I was really openly overcome with emotion, and, and I, you know, I feel like before this show, I probably would have asked to not show that to people. I, I would have been like, hey, can we, like, edit out the part where I kind of lost it a little bit? Um, but, but I know that this show and that this fandom and this audience is the kind of fandom and audience and friendships where, like, it's normal to do that because these are overwhelming experiences. The films that we have are overwhelming. The art is overwhelming. The conversations are overwhelming. That's why we have Tim Shanahan, who, you know, I don't even think we had a chance to get to yet, who has not only been an amazing guest on this show. Um, I, I wasn't unfortunately able to come with you guys to do that, but I you know, love those episodes, but also dedicated his philosophy book to our show by name, you know, Robin Bunce, who 
I, 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 I do want to take a second because he's such a good friend and, and such a special part of the show. You know, Robin Bunce is somebody who wrote an article in the New Statesman that referenced 2049. And I was just like, this guy has to be a super fan. And I found him, you know, on Facebook and I reached out to him and we became friends like within about three minutes, probably because of our mutual love for brutalist architecture. And I was brutalism. like, come on the show. <laughs> brutalism. <laughs> Brutal. Um, and, uh, you know, and that's a, a real true friendship now. And I, I will never forget the first time I saw him in person in, in another England trip where you know, walking across the River Thames out of the Houses of Parliament, carrying a flapjack for me. Like, I will never forget that moment. And then just walking along the riverbanks <laughs> and just talking about Blade Runner in person with this just wonderful, wonderful guy. And we've had all these experiences like that, you know, and these really, really uh, just heartfelt moments with with real people that we would not have met had it not been for this experience. And, uh, and so I'm just thankful for that every single day of my life, every chance I know that we have to record. Sometimes I don't know if it's going to work out. Sometimes I'm like, I guess we'll try this conversation out and we'll see where it goes. And it always goes somewhere, you know? Um, you know, there were, or there were early days of this show where we were worried somewhat that we would run out of things to talk about someday, some of us more than others. Um, and you know, we would have this back and forth because with the alien show, obviously we have six films. We have a, an incredible litany of other materials to talk about. Uh, you know, there's, there's no chance we would run out of things. Um, but with Blade Runner, you know, especially in the beginning, we didn't, we only had one movie and we had a couple of like, you know, wish.com fucking sequel novels. And then we had a couple of, you know, we had this nineties computer game. We had a couple of comics that were published a long time ago. And now like, you know, we have, and, and, and but we went with it, right. And we went with it knowing that there would be more to talk about because of the, the nature of these films and the nature of the stories that they tell. And then in the meantime, now, not only do we get this miraculous other film, but we've got this incredible comic universe that's been formed and we've gotten to know it so well through David Leach, who's another person who we should do a quick shout out for because he's been on the show multiple times and has been a friend, a real genuine friend also, um, you know, and, and others as well in our orbit. And we have, you know, so much to look forward to, you know? Uh, and I, and I just feel like we, the world we inhabit now in 2021, you know, a world that is wrenching itself out of COVID, a world that has been through so much tumult and continues to go through tumult, whether it's, you know, regional conflict, whether it's famine, whether it's hunger, whether it's all these other things, you know, we don't live in a simple world, but the world that we're in in 2021 is markedly different from the world that we were in, in 2017, when this second film came out. And you know, in the intervening time, we've recorded close to 100 episodes just in that span. And getting to look back with you guys tonight and with the fans who wrote in has been a magical feeling for me to look at like what we've been through and where we've come and how we've responded and how the nature of the show has changed, right? In response to the pandemic, the, the 2049 series, which we had already been planning on doing before the pandemic happened, by the way, was all of a sudden like, oh, I guess we're talking about this in a very different way now because none of us feel safe anymore, right? Um, anyway, I'll shut up, but, but this, it's just been a, it's been a, a constantly changing journey that has been profound every single step. And, and, and I'm just so grateful to share it with, with two men who are completely open to exploring it emotionally and intellectually with me in front of an audience who was so receptive to that and so participatory and so genuine. Especially as we approach the 40th anniversary of the original film, which we'll have content for later. It's just, this feels very monumental. As usual, I have the super easy task of having to follow up after Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> He's always waxing so eloquent on this show. Um, yeah, but I agree. I think that 
the growth, getting to meet all these fans, especially at the event where, you know, we got to shake people's hands and give them hugs in, in the, in the before times and really have that experience together. And we had people fly in from all over the world to congregate on LA during that special time. And it was, it's gonna sound cheesy, but yeah, it was such a magical time of, of connecting with everyone. And looking back now, I carry all those experiences with me. Every time, every time I sit down with you guys to record an episode, every time I sit down to watch one of the films, especially every time I'm introducing someone to one of the films or it's just our first time watching it together you know I, I was prepping for this episode and just trying to think about what some of the more important moments were for me and so I had to while I was driving I was I had to pick an episode to listen to because I was like well I might as well not waste this time and I went back to my very very first interview that I had researched set up done the questions for you know I edited that, that at least half that episode and that was the Tim Shanahan episode where um, we brought him in to talk about philosophy and Blade Runner. When when Rutger passed and we did a tribute to him and I remember in editing that episode where I, I was just listening to that right before we got on and I randomly found this YouTube video that was an interview between Rutger and this Italian journalist uh, from less than 10 years ago. And it's at the end of our first, if you go back to the Remembering Rutger episodes with Paul Salmon, the very first one, at the end of that episode, I played this clip. And you can go back and listen to it. I won't paraphrase it, but essentially it was Rutger talking about 30 years after Blade Runner and his inspiration in writing the monologue at the end and what that film meant to him and how he never expected it to grow and become what it has become now. And I really carry those experiences with me and they stack up inside. And that's why, yeah, like now I, it's hard to watch those films without crying. And, and it, it does have such an emotional buildup because I have so much history with you guys and I have so much history with the fans and I have so much history with some of the people that got to make these incredible films that are going to live forever and are going to live much longer than us. And that experience altogether is really something that I carry with me every day. And I'm eternally grateful for it. Um, you know, there's a couple of people that got mentioned here and there. I wanted to make sure that I thank Carla Rosa for all her contributions on the show. I got to fly to Portugal and meet up with her and hang out. She um, She's written, you know, essays and poetry on Blade Runner that we've played on the yeah, show. And again, like Jamie yeah, said, she, right. was a, she was a big part of uh, Gethsemane. Uh, Micah who's our sort of uh, contributing host and she's on here and there when she can, who's got two kids and got into, you know, got all her nursing credentials done and was going to school and raising a family and working and trying to juggle a, a schedule with Patrick. Um, and yet every time she's come on the show, she's given a hundred percent and her perspective as a woman and her perspective just as her um, and the emotion that she's brought onto the show has been incredible. So I want to make sure we take a second to thank Micah, just in case she got forgotten since we had a long And list Gary today. Willoughby, by the way, which but, we um, did host, you did an interview with. Big super fan. Yeah, I went down to LA to meet him at his house. He's friends with Joanna Cassidy. He still has lunch with her all the time. He showed me a small portion of his Blade Runner collection. I remember Gary talking about sitting down with Morgan Paul and then getting the call from his wife after Morgan Paul had passed. Uh, because nobody knew he was sick, he had cancer, and, and nobody knew he hadn't told anybody. And his wife reached out to Gary, you know, to tell him how fond he was of the interview they did and the time they spent together. And 
yeah, you know, all those moments, it really is a thing. I'll, I'll, I'll stop there, but just it's been an incredible three plus years that I've spent with you guys. And I'm just very, very grateful to be able to do it. Yes, it's been really amazing. Uh, I can't go on enough about how amazing this show is, despite everything and that we've been through and the highs and the lows, mostly highs, in my opinion. Um, it's just been a really great, it's been a great run. And hopefully we have many years to come with many more discussions. Uh, again, as we approach the 40th anniversary of Blade Runner, we have a lot in store next year. And we have a lot in store this year. We're still, still a lot that we have to talk about. With that said... Thank you, everyone, for listening. It seems like a great time to wrap. Um, I do want to mention one thing, and it's called Patreon. And you can sign up for $4 a month. If you go to bladerunnerpodcast.com forward slash support, your support goes to hosting the show. It goes to events. If we plan new ones, it goes to audio dramas. It goes towards equipment. $4 a month, less than the price of a latte sign up if you do sign up you get our show frame rate which is an exclusive film review show and we have over 40 episodes just waiting or if uh, we're looking at over 50 over 50 now, episodes we put out, yeah we put out a minimum of two film review shows a month we're starting to do video games here and there as well as you guys do shit show every once in a while for the perfect organism crowd um yeah jamie and i just sat down and talked about last of the mohicans patrick absolutely refused to be on he it hates it he thinks the 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 Lewis Mo? is the worst uh, i know but last of the mohicans if you're feeling generous we would love your support um plus you get the content with that support who knows we might have a, an event next year for the 40th something tiny and small and cheap <laughs> But yeah, so thank you again for listening. Thank you everyone who that does listen to the show, that supports us. You guys have made us who we are. We're here for you. We're not just here for ourselves. So thank you. Thank you, everyone. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Attack ships on fire I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the ten house of gate. All those moments will be lost in time. Like tears. If you would like to find out more about Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast, please go to www.bladerunnerpodcast.com. If you would like to support the show via Patreon, please go to www.bladerunnerpodcast.com forward slash support. Thank you.